Michael, go home. Go home! Boogeyman! 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 Hey everybody, welcome back. We are going to cover Halloween 5. I am Cyborg and joined, as always, by Temp. So if you haven't checked out the previous episodes, make sure you go check those out, where we covered Halloweens 1 through 4. This time we are covering Halloween 5, as I said, and we will continue on through the entire series until we review the new movie as it comes out in just a few weeks. On that note, we are going to go ahead and go through the movie, kind of touch the higher points, the lower points, and give our overall thoughts and opinions so this is just our opinions it is a review discussion analysis it's kind of all of that mixed together you don't have to take it with a huge certainty but uh, these were our feelings on halloween 5 so starting off with as always the opening credits what did you think of the opening credits this time around i thought, I thought the music was good i thought the mu- it was a nice change of pace for the music um felt a little rushed but uh, I mean, well, we also got to define opening credits. So, are we talking about <coughs> just pure? No, it's fine. Just purely the opening yeah. credits. So, not the part picking not up the where exposition. the last. Yeah, not the part picking up where the last movie left off. Just purely the the names and as they're slashing the pumpkin, and it turns out they're just carving the pumpkin this time around. Just that kind of stuff. I mean, we've talked about in Halloween 1, 2, 3, and 4, the opening credits were all strong throughout all of them. And they carried that pumpkin theme and the Halloween theme, etc. The black background with the bright orange text, etc. They kind of all have that in common. And I always thought the opening credits were very strong throughout each of the films. So I was just kind of getting your opinion on what you thought of these opening credits. If I had to sum it up, I mean, they're not my favorite um, just because it's, it's a little more, I feel like it's a little too much of a departure. It, it was le- le- more visceral and less atmosphere or maybe like a more, I don't know. It, it just, uh, it, that the, the pumpkin stuff didn't click with me too much, but I will say this, at least the, the opening, I think synchronized well with the rest of the movie. I think there was a synergy between the, the intro and the rest of the film, which even though I love four's opening, I feel like there's a disconnect between Four's opening and the rest of the movie because it begins with like this really nice fall atmosphere and the rest of the movie is like 80s suburbia. Yeah. So I I, I felt kind of robbed with part four. This fits. It, it, it I would have probably taken a different angle out. I didn't love the pumpkin stuff, but the music was well done. I thought the music was strong. And um, at, at least it, it sort of connects well with the rest of the film. Yeah, it was my least favorite of all of them so far, you know, of the five that we've witnessed and seen. I thought, like I said, the original Halloween one one is amazing. That's hard to top. Then you have two, which was really good continuation of that. And then three with the the weird kind of like TV effect of the pumpkin and all of that and the more synthesizer approach. And then Halloween four, like you said, with the great fall atmosphere and all of that, all the different shots the cornfields, etc., just all the kind of things you think of with fall. And then this one, just, I don't know, it fell a little more flat to me. It wasn't bad, but definitely the worst of the bunch, just by comparison's sake. It it just didn't visually or sound-wise get, like, grab me as much. So, I don't know, just something I noticed right off the right out of the gate. 
I think it would like the pumpkin stuff may have worked better for a different movie, but to me that that's not Halloween. Just like fucking like goo noises and like hard hitting yeah. like because I don't I don't dig it. Yeah. Well, anyway, so when we actually get started with the movie here, we have a continuation of the last movie. We get a little recap where we see you know Rachel driving with Michael on top of the the truck. She runs him over. He lands in front of the mine shaft or whatever. And Jamie goes up to him, even though she wasn't supposed to. He is potentially going to slash at her, but then all the cops go ahead and shoot him down the mine shaft. And then we even get a continuation of that, something we didn't get to see last time, which I believe was all shot at one time. I don't think it was a reshoot or anything, because all the same people ran up and then threw a stick of dynamite down. But Michael climbs out of the mine shaft. He finds like an escape that he can go down a little brook or whatever some rapids and uh yeah that's how he escapes in his nice convenient life jacket too <laughs> i don't know if you noticed that but underneath his uh coveralls you could clearly tell it was it was puffy in the shape of a life vest like it was the perfect shape underneath the coveralls i was like man they couldn't even have the stunt man just go on that light stream down the rocks and whatnot without a life vest but uh yeah that was noticeable I, I, didn't, I don't typically notice stuff like that, but the scene was already kind of awkward to me anyway, just because I'm not... It's definitely Michael Myers in a very different light. I'm not used to seeing him in a vulnerable position like, like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, like, you don't... Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 just, um, it's like trying to see Michael Myers navigate the internet. It's just not something... Yeah, it's, it's not something you are accustomed to seeing. Like, we see him drive a car, and that's always kind of... It's kind of weird seeing him drive a car, even though... He did it in the first one, but like, and I mean, he's done it in multiple, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just him. Yeah. Like you said, just, he's like trying to look out. It's like watching, it's like watching uh, Michael Myers trying to avoid a bunch of snakes. You know, there's no (laughs) graceful way to do that. You're going to look stupid in the process. Yeah. It's, it's very much, it's like, I I like her analogy a lot. It's like watching her aunt try to set up a printer for the first time. That's very (laughs) much how it felt. Yeah. That's a good analogy. <laughs> yep. So we see him do all of those things as he makes his way down the the stream. And then he ends up catching some like nets, fishing nets or whatever. And uh, we get a nice little scene here where he essentially sneaks up on some kind of old hermit basically living by himself. So you could you could probably like get the idea that maybe this guy doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't follow the news, kind of lives alone remotely. And, uh, yeah, so Michael Myers kind of lunges at him and as if he's going to kill him, but he just doesn't have the strength, so he passes out. And this guy takes care of him. So that's kind of what we're... That's the whole setup of the movie. And this leads into Jamie, who we she, we see some additional flashbacks to when she tried to kill her mother, but it looks like it was not successful as far as what I understand from what the movie says. Um, maybe I misinterpreted that, but... No, no, you're right, because the the nurse even says, do you want me to call your mother, which to me implies, unless you got a new step or adoptive stepmother, yeah. or not step, a new a foster mother, um, which Probably is possible, not. Yeah. extremely unlikely. Yeah, I didn't take it as that. I mean, I, I just took it as she clearly, they played it off rather than her becoming the new Michael Myers or anything like that. They kind of explained it as her 
having a psychotic break because of all the trauma and stress and everything going on. She had that in. They also, it's not just what her actions did. It's not like she consciously chose to do that. There also, as we alluded in the last one that you mentioned, is that there is some sort of psychic connection between Michael and Jamie. So now that there is a case to be made that that was actually Michael psychically working through her in a way. So there's always that. So, yeah, that's where we lead off. She is in a, a hospital of some sort, and she cannot speak. So that's kind of why we, where we're picking up this story is she can't speak. Michael's still out there. She knows he's still out there because when he gets up and puts on the mask, Jamie physically acts out as if she's putting on the mask. So she's she's has that connection to Michael, and that's kind of what's setting up the premise of the film to a degree. Um, right off the bat, I do want to mention, I really, I, I mean, I, I don't really love the mask in this movie, but this is much, this is much better than the Halloween 4 mask, which I was not too thrilled with, the Halloween 4 mask. That was my least favorite in the series, as I've said. Going back and looking at it again, one thing I forgot to mention in the last review is, if you look at the eyebrows on that, that Halloween, he looks like he's always surprised. <laughs> the eyebrows have an angle to them as if he's always like oh <laughs> like i thought back to where he's sneaking up on the like the electric guy or whatever and then like he's just like sneaking by the car and it just looks like he's like oh he caught me like oh he found me like i've been caught i like it but yeah <laughs> so this one's a little bit better it's still kind of oddly shaped and it's it's elongated i don't know if you noticed like the the neck goes really far down on this mask, but uh, well, he kind of looks—he looks fat in a way. He it looks stretched to me. And, yeah, um, it's very stretched. The mask itself. This is—I think this is the first time where it's not the, because even the Halloween Four was still the Captain Kirk mask or whatever the William Shatner mask, but it was just painted heavily over, and I think that's why it got rid of all the features and they did something with the eyebrows i have no idea what they did with that but uh this one does not look like that as much this one is probably the biggest departure thus far that we've had with the mask the hair is also very different too but that's because i mean that that's per the story like he he has longer hair he's been right. chilling for i, I don't know and so you're saying the mask is life. growing there. <laughs> yeah it's... the hair on the mask is growing with his it's so i dense. think so so, well, here, okay, here's the thing, right? So he take. we'll get more into this later, but he does take the mask off and it looks like he has the same hair. So I was like, oh, so it's his hair now? So I'm thinking, did the, is the mask now like just from the, four, I don't know. That's, that's the impression I got. Well, the mask still has hair, but he does have longer hair. So I think it just kind of blended itself together probably. When Perhaps. We're looking but, at it. but yeah, but we'll, like we'll touch on that. Yeah, well, I don't yeah, know. Okay, we'll go. Um, anyway, so going along with the movie here, so we established that there is a psychic connection between Jamie and Michael. Um, I one other thing about the mask, though, because this is obviously this is we're talking when we first see it here. Once again, they still hide the eyes with that black cloth, and it is noticeable throughout the film, and that bothers me. It still is like, why can't I see his eyes? It's just so when it, when light shines on the mask and you can clearly tell there's like a black cloth there blocking the eyes i don't know to me that's just just so weird they didn't do that before <laughs> i don't 
before the fourth one, at least, they didn't do that. So I don't, I don't know. It's just odd. They, they very noticeably did not do it. It's also tough because, like, I think the producers wanted to recreate the Michael Myers vibe so much. And, like, it back then, resolution was so much lower. Yeah. It probably made more sense to them. But we've seen these movies in 1080p. So we know the eyes are supposed to be there. And I think it bothers us more. That it probably would have bothered someone in the 90s but i i do agree it is distracting it's just, i don't notice as much that's why it's not as distracting but if you notice anything like that in a movie like whether it be you know life preservers or like cloth over the eyes that's distracting it's always distracting right yeah i mean and then we have the oddness of obviously it was a mass switch this wasn't him grabbing a new mask in the convenience store and it just happens to be a different mask which makes sense it didn't happen that way this time. He had the or the the Halloween four mask on when he falls down the mine shaft, <laughs> and then when he comes up the other side, it is now the new mask. So I mean, it is what it is. You kind of got to take that with these movies. They obviously just took a new visual approach, which is fine. Like I said, it's slight. I do like this one slightly better than the Halloween four mask. But uh, moving I on, I can't remember. Does in the river scene is it the four mask or the five mask i'm pretty sure it's the five mask because i don't okay, think and they... that's all fucked there's nothing yeah, i yeah. can't defend that yeah I don't... Probably... otherwise yeah i don't think they filmed that part in the previous because i'm pretty sure they f- they originally filmed the dynamite scene in part four but for some reason didn't include it that's from my understanding from watching documentaries i'm pretty sure that's the case that they filmed it they just didn't include it for whatever reason and then in this one, they continued it on how they did um, with Michael crawling it out. Crawling out would be a new scene as well as him going down the little river or whatever the hell you want to call it. The babbling brook. Uh, okay, so he, he goes down there. We established the connection. Uh, another thing I noticed is Loomis's scars look a lot better. Like I said, not the weirdness bouncing back and forth between what we got in part four. This time it's obviously pretty consistent throughout, and it looks decent. Good uh, effects work there. Uh, right off, and another thing right off the bat, we get Michael's heavy breathing back. It's another thing I noticed is, I mentioned this in the the Halloween Four review, is that a lot of the key Michael elements where he just shows up in the background and you don't, they don't really point it out, but he's there. Like they dropped that a lot in Hall- Halloween Four. As much as I like that movie, there was. It wasn't my favorite movie for Michael. It was just, a, I thought it was a, a fun movie. Whereas here, I think Michael goes back a bit more to what made him who he was. They do Michael a bit more justice in, in the breathing is back, for instance. So I do like having that back. That's established very early on in the movie. Having him breathe, you know, when a character is looking for him and Michael's looming in the dark, you hear the breathing. Let's see. So then next we have, uh, I do like, um, so then jumping a little forward here, this is where Jamie's still in the hospital and Loomis starts to catch on that she has a connection to Michael. So he's aware of some sort of connection. So when she's freaking out and writing on the chalkboard, we are reintroduced to Rachel. So we're not sure what's going on there, but we know Michael is stalking her again. And he's outside the house, lingering around. Uh, Max, the dog, is freaking out outside. Rachel is not sure what's going on. She looks vulnerable. 
Michael's in the house and then she gets a call from Loomis and he tells her to get the hell out of there and she actually does. So I thought that was a very smart moment of a character actually listening and taking somebody seriously and not treating this like a joke. I appreciated that for the Rachel character that she's not going to be like, oh, Loomis, you crazy old man, you, you know, like shrugging him off. It's like, no, people literally died all over the place not long ago. You know, like, I, I like that she actually takes it seriously. Yeah, the scene is written in a way it's kind of awkward, though, because when she does take it seriously, she's like in a towel in her front yard. <laughs> so it's a it's a little it's a little awkward how they handled it. As a writer, I, I question why they took that angle. I don't know why she couldn't have been like doing her nails or something like that. I guess they wanted her to be vulnerable. Yeah, that's what I was thinking is the vulnerability when she's in the towel. You're more likely to believe that's when, you know, she'll get God, I guess. I guess, I mean, as a fake out, it, it, it sort of works. I don't know. I mean, the, if you like Rachel, you got to savor the moment because she's not around a whole lot in this movie. Yeah, so. I mean, that's that's what comes up next is, you know, we've got... Uh, uh, well, I before we get to that, I guess we do got to talk about the weird cops in here. So <laughs> this movie yeah. has some goofy tones to it, which is really odd, and... I'm honestly not a big fan of a lot of the sound and score design in this one. Just in general, I mean, probably about 70% of the movie, there's just odd music in there that I just don't really get. It's that weird transitioning of 80s and 90s. And I don't know, it just felt really odd to me, I guess. It just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like the direction they took with the score at all, really. So... Yeah, and and that playing into that is the weird noises, like the goofy, cartoony, over the top, like it's like a goofy comedy that they're playing in the background of the police officers. Like they literally play like circus music, whooping yeah, cushions like, and stuff. It's like a Seinfeld almost vibe going on. And uh, well, every time the cops are on 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 camera, the movie feels tone deaf to me. It's like, what's going on? Yeah, none of it fits. It's like, um, if you ever saw the cops from Killer Clowns from Outer Space? It's like they imported that character into the movie, and it just feels so out of place. I honestly, I don't really have a lot to say about it because yeah, I mean, they're there, then they're not, and when they're not there, the movie goes back to normal, and then when they show up, it becomes completely. It's a whole new frequency all over again. Yeah, it's just so weird. I don't I don't get it either. I don't know what they were trying to accomplish with this because I mean the movie has its, you know, it's just silly. I mean, there's several moments throughout the movie in general that are like this I don't know what this was rated. If it was rated R still, I I'd, I'd have to imagine even though I mean this could pass as PG-13. There wasn't really anything that sticks out to me that I think of rated R. Maybe back then this was still rated R, but I don't know, it's just um odd to me um, like it just doesn't ring as a rated r halloween film on the level of the first one or the second one or even the third one it's hard to remember everything that happened in the fourth one but this to me feels like the tamest of all of them and that's not like a bad thing but it's not just tame it's goofy it's just outright silly at points and the the cops are probably the 
the biggest like example of that i i just i don't understand that sound design <laughs> like i said when you're playing like slide wheels and stuff in the background yeah, it just doesn't it's i don't get it i don't it's like prop comics i don't get it either it was so strange yeah that's something and... you do when you're trying to make fun of character is like the movie's doing that i guess on its own i don't i don't know like just so odd well this is the first one that did not go to theaters am i right no i think it was in theaters I think there. Okay, are... for some reason I thought this one was straight to DVD, straight to VHS, but I could be wrong about that. Uh I mean, I feel like they've all been in the theaters, from my understanding. I don't think, yeah, I don't think any of the Halloween's. Oh no, it had a box office. office, so yeah, I actually actually made money too, surprisingly. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't think any of them went straight to video. I don't think Halloween's ever gone that route. That's so weird then, because I was going to say something later, but I'm glad I looked it up now, because... But anyway, yes, um, the cops are fucking weird. I, And it's weird they didn't know that, but... But yeah. I, will, I will say, though, there's other things in this movie where the director, I think, really... I, I, I feel like they are going for the made-for-TV vibe in many ways. I think this is the first one that doesn't have any explicit nudity in it. There is a sex scene, but I don't think there's No, nudity. there is no nudity. I think that's this is the first one in the series. I I think there was some in three, but it's been a it's been a week. <laughs> so was I don't there know. in four? Yes, I think so, but I'm I'm not terribly confident on that anymore. But no, I, I feel like there was, was some in four. Because no, I mean, you had the sex scene with Brady and uh, the girl. The cops do it by the book, but she never actually shows anything. No, I don't know. I thought there was nudity at the the fireplace scene, but yeah, okay, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm not. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to double check, but if it's if, it, if it's not there, then I know there yes, was in three actually, because when he when uh, Doctor Chalice or whatever was he slept with the the Ellie girl that he goes with, yeah. and she at one point I think it shows her like coming out of the shower or whatever, like barely you see something, but not a lot either way. I don't think since the first and second one we really got to that extreme where you get full like full top nudity type of thing going on and uh the dude's ass <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's ass. definitely calmed down throughout the the sequels yes but uh yeah anyways it just in general it just feels tamer i guess by the just the the comedy aspects just really kind of make it a little sillier but and we'll get into a lot of those moments as we get going here so continuing on here, um, so he tells, Loomis tells Rachel to get the hell out of here, and she listens, which saves her life, because Michael was indeed in that house. We get the weird cops, and then Michael, once again, is stalking Rachel. Rachel thinks it's safe to go back in. I don't know how, how much time passes, but she does go back in. They think that maybe it was just Max freaking out or something, and uh, yeah, so Rachel goes back in, and this is where... I started really noticing beyond the breathing, they brought back a lot of Michael's elements that I really love about the character where he's just in the background, out of focus. You don't really know he's there, but you know, if you're looking around the, the screen, you will see him. And that they had a lot of those moments throughout this film. And the first one that I noticed was he was in the closet while Rachel was doing whatever she was doing. And he's just in the background, out of focus. He was blurred out, but he was there. And to me, that's the kind of stuff that I really really loved and i just love that shot so more of that stuff is great and we get a lot of that in this movie 
So yeah, I, I mean, I guess I agree with all that. It's this movie feels very different from the previous four, just before. I, I mean, I agree they brought that back, but honestly, I, I didn't notice it with all the other tonal changes that this movie kind of has. Um, but we'll go into that later, though. I don't want to open that can just yet, though. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, noticing that, and then uh, obviously we have poor Rachel here. So, second time, no luck. Doesn't get the save from Jamie, and this time she does indeed die. And I, I actually thought this was kind of a fake out, much like I, I attribute it to like Nightmare on, on, on Elm Street, where you think Rachel's going to once again be a prominent character throughout the movie, along with Jamie. They set it up to be so in a way. But unfortunately, she gets killed off early on in the movie, and it's actually her friend that's going to take that mantle as Jamie's kind of guardian or whatever, in a way, in a sense. Even, she's not even really that throughout the film. That's more Loomis's role, but still, um, yeah, I mean, they kind of have that fake out where you think she's going to be a prominent character throughout the, at least the most of the film and maybe die in this movie at the end, but nope, she's taken out early on. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't necessarily agree with it. I liked Rachel as a character, as we talked about in Halloween 4. So having her taken out so early in this film, I think took away from the film. Uh, I don't want to spoil you know something completely unrelated to the series or what we're doing here but i think anybody that's seen godzilla the the most recent one could probably understand where i'm going with that that uh yeah i just think taking rachel out so early like this bad decision um because yeah i liked rachel in halloween 4 i thought she was a strong character giving her all that development only to take her out so soon in this one not the best decision and from my understanding i remember hearing this in documentaries that originally they were going to kill her off by having Michael basically like stab scissors down her throats. And the actress put her foot down and said, no, I don't think like I, she felt like Rachel deserved better than, you know, the indignity of such a, like a disgusting, brutal kill like that. She, so they settled for scissors into the shoulder or whatever she gets it. So it's not so like, you know, like disturbing, I guess. So, at least yeah, there's that. <laughs> they, they put a lot of capital in that character in part four. So I agree. It's really weird that they killed her off so early. And without a... I mean, I, I, if I had to assume it was because of scheduling purposes, I, I, I would think... This is purely speculation, but I would have imagined they would have made her a primary act, actor in this, in this movie just because... Everyone knows, everyone from part four knows who she is, and this movie's a continuation of part four, so I don't know. It, it's super strange because the person who took the torch was the, the Tina character, and that doesn't really go anywhere. So you're right. It's just strange. I don't I don't really get it. I don't know why they killed her off. Yeah, I, it, I, don't, I don't really remember either. I think maybe, I, I don't know if it was because the actress was difficult, if she wanted too much money, if she wanted other things for the character. I don't know what the thing was. I, I'm pretty sure they mentioned why in the documentary, but I, I, it's been a while since I've seen the documentary, so I'm not sure why they killed her off like that. They should have given her the money. Like, it's, the movie banked, actually. The movie made almost twice its, uh, twice its budget, so I, yeah, it's a very strange decision, in my opinion. Right, yeah, so... Odd decision there, and 
Another thing I noted here is we get another good Loomis quotes when he's showing his scars, all the burns all over his hand and arm and face. He said, I prayed that he would burn in hell, but I knew deep down in my heart that hell would not have him. So I like that. So, I mean, there's, I agree with you that this movie, I think if there's anything we're going to criticize it for, for sure is going in that we're going to agree on is that the tone of this movie just does not scream Halloween. It's got a lot of silliness and bright. I don't know. We'll, we'll break it down later, but if there's the thing that I give this movie as much credit for as I do is they get, it's kind of like taking Michael back to what makes the character effective with him looming in the background, stalking, playing with his victims, you know, teasing them in a way. And another one just, I don't know, it just kind of, it reestablishes a lot of these elements. You have Loomis doing these quotes again that he had a lot of those in the, in the first film where in the other ones we didn't really get like these memorable kind of, very artsy quotes i guess with him so i don't know i just i i i like that they are trying to re-establish some of those elements i guess i particularly associate with the series so much and with the character so well there's a lot of old loomis in this movie yeah. uh halloween 2 loomis is the spirit of halloween 2 loomis specifically i think shows up in this movie um he's, he's kind of crazy again the loomis we saw in part four has kind of departed and six times yeah this is this is sort of like six times the revenge it's very <laughs> much this is old school loomis this is pre-halloween for loomis to me so yeah. i thought that was interesting in both good and bad ways but yeah so then we get uh tina. we get we finally get a little more focus on tina here and i do think it's cool that when she goes upstairs to look for Rachel after Rachel has died. She obviously does not know that because Rachel is going to go on a trip. So they just, she just assumes that she's left. Well, anyway, she goes up to look for Rachel. She does not find her, but she goes up into the room where Rachel was killed. And I do like how, like, once again, there's just a lot of good shots and well thought out scenes, in my opinion, the way they lay things out um, and tease it and kind of lay the groundwork and then revisit it later. Well, in this one, you see Tina's reaction when she gets up into the room and she gets over to the spot where Rachel has been killed and she kind of looks like something's wrong. So you're thinking, oh, well, as the viewer, we know that's where Rachel was killed. So Tina's going to see something like blood on the ground or whatever. Well, no, there is nothing like that. So her looking like something's wrong, well, she ends up grabbing a stuffed animal and lays there. But then she sees the picture frame, which Michael has nicely cleaned up a bit, but it's still all broken and shattered like Rachel originally found before she got killed, which led to her death. Well, she sees the picture frame is all shattered and it's sitting there on the, the dresser or whatever. And right as she goes to examine it, that's when she gets interrupted by her friend. So I just thought like that kind of stuff is cool to me. I guess it's just, it's a good teaser. So, and uh, Tina goes to leave with her friend, Sam and, you see Michael's in the window watching them as they leave. But as soon as Tina looks back, you see Michael just barely to the side. Like she can't see his face. She can't see that there's definitely somebody there, but you still see like the side of his shoulder. Like you can still see the coveralls, but since they're dark, you can't really tell. And from her point of view, you know, she's not going to obviously see, make out what exactly it is, but she kind of senses something is wrong. But I, once again, it's just, Having him looming there at all at all times to me is effective. 
I, I mean, I, I'm desensitized to like honestly, like uh, on on the fifth movie of this series, I guess fourth with Michael Myers. I'm just uh, every, it, there's a lot. I feel like I I'm, I'm waiting more than I usually do for something to happen just because I've 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 ran this race a little too many times now, so I'm kind of jaded towards all the Michael Myles, Myers subtleties at this point. Um, as you can probably tell, I'm, I wasn't super blown away by this movie. Uh, we'll get more into it though, but I saw it necessarily that I even disagree. It's just that I don't, I'm not feeling it much anymore with Michael Myers. The background stuff is, it, it's assuming I even see it. A lot of times I don't, but if I do, it's just like, oh, check that box, you know? Well, I don't know what to say about that. Um, it's very been there, done that at this point, even when it's good. So, yeah, I, uh, yeah. All right, we'll continue on here. So, uh, I do like that once again. Call back to the original. Jamie first sees Michael standing outside the window. Um, so she's up in the hospital or whatever, and she looks out the window. She sees Michael out there, just kind of staring up at that wind, at staring up basically where Jamie's at. Once again, nice little callback to the original where Jamie Lee Curtis sees Michael outside the window. He's out by the clothes on the clothesline. I, I just these kind of things, like I said, stick out to me. And I, I like the callback. They do a lot of those throughout the film. Um, and as we see, as the film continues, we see Loomis getting much more desperate. You know, he's desperate to protect Tina and to protect Jamie. He's just, you know, he's he's willing to be a lot more commanding, which like you said, that's much more like the... I mean, it's a little bit Halloween 4. It's much more like um, Halloween 1 and 2. He's getting much more demanding, you know, pull out the gun and go crazy Loomis to get everybody to do what he wants because nobody's listening to him type of thing. Nobody's taking him serious. So I do like a little bit of that. And this is when we also get the start getting the teasers of the man in black. He immediately like steps on a dog's foot or tail or something. Like it yelps as he goes by. I don't know what the hell. There's a weird animal theme in this movie. Anyway, we encounter kittens later on. It just it it's, it's like a lot the of dead possum. Focus. Yeah, I don't know. And yeah, it's just weird. I don't know what it is with the man in black and Michael in general. Like not liking dogs, and we'll get into that again later. But it's a reoccurring theme of this series of. Somebody does not like dogs on that makes these movies, yeah. I swear. <laughs> uh, and this is just, once again, I, I noted here that the score just seems odd for most of the film. A lot of it just does not fit the scenes. Uh, we see the man in black once again shown in the Myers house as Loomis is walking around. The man in black is also in the Myers house. So we're not really sure who this is. We see that he has a thorn tattoo on his forearm. But other than that, we really don't know. This is just a odd new character um so we are introduced to mikey who's tina's boyfriend or michael but she calls him mikey uh tina's boyfriend he's in the nice little black car or whatever he's very particular about keeping his car clean and then we are also introduced to uh sam's boyfriend spitz which is an odd name in general but uh, yeah, they're all goofy and wacky and weird once again. They are just, I mean, the characters just throughout this film, especially these characters primarily, are just all annoying. I mean, that's pretty well cemented into your brain by the end of the movie, that these characters aren't the enjoyable ones. Not even of the first one with Annie and all of them. Like, there's just very, 
little redeeming qualities about most of them. There's there's a couple that I'll point out positives, but for the most part, they all just act really annoying and obnoxious, which isn't unlike teenagers, by the way. Yeah, no, if you've been around teenagers, they're, they're awful. Just No, I mean, they think the dumbest things are funny. So, yeah, I mean, I could get yeah. why they are written like this, but holy heck. So they it are feels pretty very crazy. Friday the 13th to me. I feel like these are the most Friday the 13th teenagers we've had in the Halloween series yet. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. Definitely agree with that. So, and then, uh, yeah, so Mikey goes to, Michael or Mikey or whatever, goes to pick up the the beer or the alcohol or whatever from the back of the store. They load it up, and then everyone else takes off, but Mikey's there. He's getting back into his car that he likes to keep nice and pristine. And this is, once again, one of those moments where Michael is in the background. He comes up from the alley very slowly. And then all of a sudden, you just see, a, like, a hand rake just smash into the back of, like, the trunk, like, on top of the trunk, and just starts scraping. And it's just a great moment. I love this moment. As my Mikey's just like what the fuck like he's just pissed <laughs> off that this nice car that he was waxing and he he's just super protective about this car and all of a sudden somebody just takes a handbrake to it like wow what a dick move and this is just like i said michael throughout this film he does several things that you he's just toying with people he's getting back into that uh little kid kind of like messing with people mood that he gets into of the original which i appreciate so he does that he scrapes it the guy gets out to confront Michael, and he just immediately obliterates him with that hand rake, which looked just brutal. And the guy, the acting there was pretty well done. He just sounds like he's just miserably in pain. So he drags him off, and it was a nice setup here where Tina gave Mikey a mask to wear. So that's going to play in later here. Any thoughts? Um... Man, I really didn't like this guy. But he gave a decent performance. But man, this... And you're, you're supposed to not like him. He's yeah. very much the... Douche. Yeah. He's the and, douche. And, um, I feel like there's a specific type of douche here. But um, especially like 70s horror movies, before teenagers were quite as, like, I guess, shrill as they are now. And they are... Or not as they are now. As they became in the 80s. Where they're just loud and over the top and laughing like assholes all the time. Um, I feel like this guy is almost a callback to more like the 70s teenagers. Like, yeah, much more douchebag oriented. Um, but God, it's, 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 it's a tough character because you're supposed to like Tina. And often I did. I, I do like Tina as a character. But it's very scene to scene how I feel about her. And like, it just, it's, I don't know. I, I think he by extension hurts her character because he's, he's so douchey. He's so douchey and hard to to watch. Um, she's kind of like the, fine though. She's yeah. the opposite of what's interesting to T, as what's interesting about Tina is that she's almost the opposite of Rachel in the sense that Rachel was smart enough to know that Brady was just dog shit for her, so she just didn't want anything to do with him because clearly he was just a you know he was a pig. And whereas Tina knows like she can she clearly knows that mikey is full of himself and cares probably more about his car than he does her so on and so forth and he just very doesn't show any emotion at all he doesn't even act like he even gives one shit about her other than kissing her so i mean hell i mean the the scene later with michael 
posing as him that we'll get to. The fact that she couldn't even tell that it was him <laughs> just already shows you that some psychotic killer can be in there and she 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 was suspicious, but she was clearly not suspicious as much as she should have been. You got the because, feeling this has happened before. Like yes. this is not the first time. This very same yeah. Yeah, so the fact that that is the case, it's just she, clearly she has a very shitty, douchey boyfriend, but she she thinks it's good for her for whatever reason. So she's, like I said, she's the opposite of Rachel. Not in that she's a bad character, whereas Rachel is a good character. She just has that flaw about her is that she is clearly probably not in a good relationship, but she's not the wiser or she doesn't care enough to do anything about it. But well, I mean, she's, it's also not terribly unreasonable either. I mean, she's portrays the free spirit, so yeah. she wants the boyfriend who is popular, who is confident, and, um, you know, is kind of going to kind of, I guess, what's a good way to put it? Sort of being like the jock. She, she wants, like, you know, the, the quarterback boyfriend. Sure. You know, and it's, it's, it's a good compliment to sort of her free spirit. She wants someone who's going to party. She wants someone who's going to get a little crazy. Yeah. Like, that's not, that is perfectly in line with the character. And he is a little crazy. She wants the so, bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. A, so George Costanza. Bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> He's dangerous. So it, it, He's it's a bad seed. It's, it's not too much of a problem, but God, it's we only see him and Tina or or yeah, him and Tina on screen for a very Once, short period yeah. of time. Well, yeah, because the other time is Michael Myers. So yeah. just uh I don't know. I feel like Tina needed more screen time in this movie overall. Because I feel like she's a little schizophrenic and when she's serious, when she's not. But we'll get into all that later, though. But that that's generally how I feel about that character in that scene. Right. So as we go on, it leads to later where Tina's going to take off. She's going to go to a party and leave Jamie behind. So it's kind of similar to Halloween 4, except for she actually goes to the party. And Loomis is warning her not to go. He's trying to stop her to, from going, but she goes anyways. And... Then uh, he basically sends the goofy joke cops to follow her and, you know, protect her and warns them to make sure that she comes back alive. And uh, so they do. They take her to this party. Uh, well, I'm missing part. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Sorry. Hey, this first, before we get to that, we have Michael essentially play a trick here. She thinks that Mikey's in the car picking her up, but it's Michael wearing the mask that Tina gave Mikey. So Michael's going along with the game here. It's back to Halloween 1 where he puts the sheet over his head and the guy's glasses and is holding the beer to make her think that it's her boyfriend. Like I said, I love the callbacks. This is another one. They're taking a lot of elements from the originals. The mood and the atmosphere and all that's missing. Obviously, the tone is missing. But a lot of the things I associate with the character are still here. So that's kind of what I'm latching on to. And uh, yeah, so we get that with Michael here. He's being silent. He's just gripping the steering wheel very hard. And he's just waiting for his time to stop messing with her and, you know, end up killing her. But she's in the car. They drive off. She wants to stop for cigarettes. So he slams on the brakes after he passes the gas station. He pulls back to the gas station she goes in to get the cigarettes at this time jamie's freaking out and she basically gives off these signals and alarms she finally speaks or you know gets past it and is able to voice what's going on and give enough clues as to where tina is at so before she can get back into the car which we see michael switch masks 
because it's killing time, so he has to put his mask back on. I love that, by the way. He has to put his mask back on. He doesn't want to kill in this other mask. He's got a very he specific knows, mode. He knows who he likes. He's yeah. got his method. I can't respect beat, it. He can't beat the classics. <laughs> so he goes back to his mask, and just for the, the shock factor when she gets in the car. But she doesn't make it back to the car because the police save her because of Jamie's warning, and Michael is nowhere to be seen. And, uh, yeah, so that's when we flash forward to what I was saying before. She does go to the party, and we get all sorts of craziness here. Um, <clears throat> this is where the characters really show up as annoying in this film. I even marked it down as just they are just do so many annoying things. But, uh, yeah, I, I just love Loomis's commanding once again. If that girl dies tonight, you know, six times, you know, crazy <laughs> Loomis. So she... Uh, as she gets or she's there, <clears throat> the cops are sitting outside of this barn party or this whatever farmhouse party. So they're just kind of observing, seeing, making sure nothing dangerous happens or nothing violent happens. We see Michael show up <clears throat> and he's stalking around. And all of a sudden they go to play a prank. Spitz dresses up as Michael to pull a prank on the cops. So Tina and Sam come running out and Spitz is walking after him. And then we see the cops get out of the car and then point their guns at Spitz. But then Tina says something about a virgin and then he takes the mask. <laughs> he says like something weird and then he takes the mask off. And uh, yeah, I just, it's honestly a disgusting scene. It's like nobody respects Ben Tramer's death and like nobody learns their lesson. <laughs> they have it in Halloween 4 after they all, like a bunch of kids dressed up as Michael. And now it's happening once again. Somebody dressing up as Michael, almost dying. Does nobody learn? This is especially frustrating because when it happened in the other movies, they were not personally tied to the main characters. At least not really, not that I can remember. Like, this is Tina's friend, who's friends with Jamie, who was hunted by Michael Myers. Like, this is like going to a Halloween party in 2004 dressed up as the Two Towers. It's so fucked up. And heck? we have Tina hanging out with this asshole. It's like, it hurts the character so badly, in my opinion. I, I don't think they knew what they wanted to do with Tina. I don't know if they want, I don't know if they, they wanted the annoying teenager who's just hedonistic and just throws herself around, or if they wanted that uh, replacement companion for, for Rachel that, you know, Jamie needed throughout the film. I don't know what they want with this character, but these teenagers are awful. It's just pain. It's just, every time I see, like the blonde one, especially that blonde dude dressed as Michael. Spitz, yeah. The worst. Oh my God. Just horrible. Yeah, he That's was the most annoying <laughs> out of all of them. I remember just in the pain. documentary, he does that weird annoying laugh because he wanted something memorable. But dude, come on, you're making yeah. the bad kind of memorable. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he's very annoying. Well, anyways, he do, they pull the prank on the cops, and they're like, okay, who, you know, they, they relax, even though they're pissed off at the fact that they're doing this kind of prank. And they all go into a barn. Spitz and, uh, Spitz and Sam are going to have sex, and Tina gets lost, basically. But this is where we, this is where we have some good... I, I do like this part where... Okay, so we've established that Spitz dresses up as Michael to play a prank. He goes away with Tina while Sam's kind of getting comfortable or whatever. So he's going to come back in. So we're expecting him to once again play a prank of some sort, but we also know Michael's in the barn. So there's one moment where 
Sam is starting to get worried because she's hearing noises. So she's she's wondering, you know, what's going on. She's a little scared, a little spooked. But then she also is expecting Spitz is messing with her. So she starts walking around. She sees a dark figure barely go out of like hide behind a corner, basically hide behind whatever a doorway. So then she goes towards it. And all of a sudden we see in the foreground right behind her, like a few feet behind her, the shape of Michael's mask show up. So it's like. We know there's two of them in there, and one of them's Michael, one of them's Spitz, but we don't know which one's which. We are assuming that... So it's just, I like that moment, I guess, is what I'm getting at, is there's effective, effective just visuals. The way they set up shots, to me, I, I, I really dig, is all I'm getting at with that. I, I mean, I can't agree, because at this point, it's sort of like the fly in the soup sort of situation where it's... They, they can't really, they could not reel me back in until there was a kind of a reset button. Because as long as the teenagers were still on screen, I was just waiting for them to be done. Just waiting for that moment where I did, especially when the kittens, like I hated the whole kitten thing. Because the whole time I was just worried about those fucking kittens. <laughs> just, oh my God. Well, like, this, like this was really hard to watch. At I least really they did. all made it out alive. No, no, the kittens did well. The kittens, they, they, they made their way through. So anyway, so what happens is they end up having sex and we or we have another fake out where you think Michael's coming up on her and he gets real close. He's being silent and then he goes to stab, but it's just spits. So she freaked out because she wasn't sure what was going on. She thought it was him, but then she wasn't sure that it was spits. But anyways, it ends up being him. They start having sex and then Michael pitchforks spits in the back and she Sam is freaking out naturally I do like this scene. This is the only part about her character that I liked in the entire movie is that instead of just crawling into a corner or doing some weird try escape mechanism of, you know, characters like her where she's played off very cowardly and like a, a scaredy cat and she's going to just, you know, beg for her life until she dies. She doesn't do that. She shows a backbone and she goes and pulls the pitchfork out of her dead boyfriend's back to try and fend off Michael. Doesn't work out for her, but, you know, just the fact that she tried that, to me, is not, like, a fully redeeming part of her character or anything, but I, I appreciated that. So Yeah, it's fine. So. It makes her memorable, too, which I think helps. She didn't get nearly as much screen time, so... Yeah, and she wasn't the most annoying character out of all of them either. She, no, not at all. I feel like Tina and Spitz were the ones that were the biggest offenders of the annoyance factors. She was just kind of there. She was. She's like the uh, totally girl in the first one. She yeah had some annoying qualities about her, but she wasn't like horrible. But uh, there was nothing unforgivable by her. Even yeah. Tina, like in the right scene, does not bother me. Just, just she had an on and off switch that really, you know brought out the worst of that character when she's in the wrong scene or in a scene that brings out like the most like 80s teenager aspects of her character that's when it was insufferable so anyway so michael kills her off with a scythe so fun times and then all of a sudden we see the cops are outside they're still sitting in the car but then they notice someone dressed like michael is coming out of the barn and they're wondering what's going on and they're like oh it's just another prank stop it you know you shouldn't be doing that as Michael's slowly approaching them with the pitchfork. And he just seems kind of non-assuming. So they're thinking, oh, it's a prank. So once again, this is another one of those. They set up 
something that's going to happen in the future by establishing something earlier on and they think it's a prank so they end up dying we don't see it happen but obviously that's clear that it does and we see the results of that later and then we're gonna flash forward a little bit because tina's now everybody's leaving the party tina's wondering where everybody's at she goes into the barn she discovers the bodies of course and then she comes out freaked out she goes to the cops for help but then they're dead and then at this point this is when Jamie and her friend, I don't remember his name, he they both show up and at this point she kind of looks over towards Mikey's car. She's not sure if it's Mikey in there. All of a sudden the lights flash on and she's pretty spooked and Michael gives chase to her as she's running from him while he's chasing her in the car. And one important note about this scene is he actually almost ran her over <laughs> in this scene. Uh, in the documentary, they showed some B-roll footage where she tripped on her cape and he just narrowly stopped in time to not hit her. So That's horrifying. Yes, like, it's that's... a dangerous stunt. I mean, he wasn't going like super fast, Ooh. but still just the idea of he came within like two feet from hitting her. Like he stopped in time, but yeah, not, not a good day. So yeah. there was some... Uh, and that's not the only one, like, close call. Like, you see the later, and we'll flash forward a little bit, because he starts chasing Jamie once Jamie screams to, you know, leave Tina alone. And he starts chasing Jamie in the car after he, the the other, the boy kid jumps out of the way. So he's chasing Jamie, and you look at that shot. I don't think he almost hits Jamie, but you look at the, how close he was in that. Like, he's wearing a mask. He, it's foggy out. It's the woods. Like, how easily that could have gone wrong. Like, there is several shots, and I know for a fact it was not on a green screen or anything like that, how close he was. Like, you, he had to be super precise not to mess that up. So, yeah. Not, not, <laughs> that's, a, that's a dangerous stunt to do. But, you know, low-budget horror films, am I right? <laughs> like, uh, all is well, ends well. If you're not putting a kid's life in danger, <laughs> then you're not doing your job. <laughs> Goes with the spirit of the movie. Yes. So, yeah. So we get that dangerous stunt, and uh, yeah. So Michael crashes into a tree, and another great scene. Honestly, like another great moment in this film where Michael crashes into a tree when he's chasing Jamie. It lights a blaze, and then everybody's just kind of laying on the ground. They're all beat up, and you hear the honking right so when somebody's when somebody crashes and their head's stuck you know like they're passed out on the horn or they're dead or whatever you just hear an endless honking sound because the weight of their face or their head is causing the the horn to honk so we hear that for a good minute we'll say minute and a half as all the characters are kind of getting their composure getting up and all of a sudden you hear the horn stop which we as the audience and the characters not being dumb all notice okay that means he got up like that means he's he's still alive he's still he's ready he's he's getting out of the car like the horn stopped i thought just that that minor detail but so it's just i thought it was so effective so another thing i really appreciated about that is it just i don't know i i thought it was good storytelling there um next thing i have here is I do like here where Tina goes out here. So Michael is closing in on Jamie. She's still laying on the ground, having trouble getting up. He's closing in on her. He comes within a few feet of her. He's going to, you know, kill her. But Tina, 
nice redemption for the character. She sacrifices herself by basically jumping into Michael to try and stop him, which ends up leading to her death and allows time for Jamie to escape as the police show up as well. So I thought that was a nice way for Tina to go out at least, you know, kind of like Sam where she went out nice in the end doing, you know, showing courage, heroism, etc. So, yeah, thoughts. I was surprised I did not Tina. I thought Tina was going to be the new Rachel. So, when they show her, you know, you know, dead on the on the on the I guess the the, the stroller thing like i was like wait what wait so so now it's just loomis loomis has to be rachel and tina and um loomis is kind of crazy in this movie so i didn't really know what to expect after that but a little <laughs> disappointed i am tina <laughs> <laughs> i am also rachel <laughs> and he, he doesn't do a bad job either I, I think that's actually why they killed her so they wanted more loomis um and uh i don't know I think Loomis kind of, he, he was something else in this movie. I think if they wanted Loomis to be crazy and unstable and after Michael, I would have kept Tina alive and let Loomis kind of be like the madman going after Michael. But um, he kind of fills both shoes in this movie. So, and he has to, there, there's because Rachel is gone. Tina is gone. And I didn't dislike Tina. Like when she works, she works well. I'm not super clear what her relationship is with Jamie other than like, you know, step or you know, sister's friend. Like they seem really close, though. So I don't know. Um, yeah, we we don't really get okay. an explanation of how much she knows about Jamie's past or Rachel's past either. So that's why when you were kind of mentioning the, it doesn't make any sense for her and her friends to be like making fun of that when she knows how tragic that was. And it's like we I, we were we're assuming that she knows you know what Rachel and Jamie went through. She clearly knows that Jamie's not talking for some reason, but we don't know why. We don't even know when they became friends. I don't think she was Rachel's friends in Part Four that went to the store. Like, cause I know there was a dark-haired girl in Part Four that they go to the drugstore, but that's like the only scene we see her in. I don't think that was Tina though. It definitely wasn't the same actress, but I don't think that was that character. So. I mean, we're not really sure how much she knows. Maybe it's a secret. I don't know why it would be a secret, but uh, yeah. But I it's guess weird. she at least knows that Jamie stabbed her stepmother or foster mother. I would think that would be common knowledge. It'd be, it'd be weird that Rachel wouldn't at least tell her that much. Like, would Rachel lie if Tina asks, like, hey, why is, uh, why is Jamie in a mental hospital? And she doesn't give an answer on that. I don't know. I feel like Tina was more in the loop. She knew Jamie was mute. She probably knew that Jamie at one point wasn't mute. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it is possible. I didn't think of that. But um, nonetheless, like, how many people have to die in Haddonfield before people stop dressing up as Michael Myers? Like, I said, it's really disrespectful. Ben Dramer's like, rolling over in his grave. I don't know. Like, I, I used the Towers reference before, but that's the only thing I could think of. It's just really just awkward and disrespectful in my opinion like i just i don't know like at least that soon afterwards like it was a year later i just i don't know it's also just I, odd. I, I hope you at least saw the news right but yeah well i mean it's just also odd that they keep like as filmmakers they keep going back to that same gag i don't know if it's like an homage to halloween 2 but they've done it with four and five i don't know why they keep going back to the michael myers fake out prankster yeah 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it. And and this is, I didn't really like it the first time they did it, and this time was no exception. So yeah. But yeah, so we uh, we get before they leave the wooded area, we do get a nice scene where Loomis is calling out to Michael to go home. Basically, He's, we do see Michael once again. Nice shot of him looming off in the distance, way in the background. In the fog in the trees, you do see a glimpse of him. And Loomis is out there saying to go home to finish this or whatever, basically. So, and that Jamie will be there. And uh, so they kind of set up a trap here, is the idea, is that Loomis is trying to trap Michael. And it's a nice, we go forward to, basically they have this trap laid out at the house, the Myers house, waiting for Michael. There's police and SWAT everywhere, they're all trying to remain hidden. But Jamie has a vision or a, a psychic sense that he's going after the kid, the, the boy kid. And so she... So they all get sent, basically, all but Loomis and the officer that was with them inside, Charlie. And they all get sent away. So you're not even sure if this is supposed to happen because Loomis plays it off like, okay, this is now going to lead to Michael coming here. He wasn't going to come in here when everyone it was surrounded by police and SWAT. So it almost looked like it was part of Loomis's plan to send them all away. But at the same time later we do realize that somebody was killed in the house with the the boy or whatever back at the party that was going on before at the house with the other children so clearly he had visited there at some point so they weren't sent there for nothing but it does allow michael a chance to come here but they were supposed to take jamie to the police house or the police station for safety but then loomis locks the door and clearly does not have that plan he still wants to trap michael here and <clears throat> i like the part where the police officer charlie is saying what the hell are you doing and he's not gonna allow this but then <laughs> loomis brings out the gun and he's just like he's like charlie <laughs> he's just like he says his name so funny charlie He's just, I don't know, this is full-on crazy Loomis, like, demanding, commanding, no, this is how we're going to do things. I love it. He just has a gun out. Like, this is this is only the second was... time. This is only yeah, the second exactly. time he's pulled a gun on an officer. <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy will do anything. It's great. Yeah, it sucks to be a cop around Loomis, because you never know. Um, yeah, I was, I was laughing my ass off during this. I was having a great time. For the exact same reasons. Mostly because... He's gotten so good at it. Yeah. It's just perfecting his craft. <laughs> Next, he's got to swivel around in a chair, just look at the gun, <laughs> set it on the table, and he's like, you know, you really want to go down this route? Charlie. Uh, okay, so I do like, so Michael does eventually come, and Loomis is aware of his presence before he really reveals himself. So once again, another cool moment. Loomis is catching on to how Michael operates. And uh, I... Doesn't go well for Loomis. Loomis gets dominated by Michael when he thinks he's reaching Michael. He gets smashed into a window, sliced, and then thrown off a balcony. Loomis takes a beating once again. And Jamie, he, he hangs the officer outside the window because he just barrels through a doorway after the officer thought he killed Michael once again with a shot. And then, uh, yeah, Jamie just goes on. This is the big, you know, climax, the chasing, if you will. And Jamie's trying to persevere. I do give her credit. Just the actress does really well here. 
and she hides in the like the laundry chute. Michael finds her there, so she falls all the way down. And then Michael goes down and starts slicing up at her, but she manages to escape. Then he starts stabbing through, but she escapes that as well. And then uh, she climbs all the way back up. She gets help from Loomis eventually. Uh, well, I guess before that, she goes all the way up into the like the attic and then discovers Rachel's body, which is sad. Max's, the dog's body, which, son of a bitch, I think Michael just has it out for these dogs. Like, I don't know what the hell. Next, we're going to have like a Strode family dog that Michael's just chasing the entire movie. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know what the hell the problem is. I feel like in Halloween 1, he kills a dog. In Halloween 2, in... Halloween 2, I think it was, he kills a dog. And then Halloween 5, he kills a dog. What is his problem, man? It's so sad. Stop getting dogs. <laughs> like, yeah. if, if people know that Michael's coming for you for any reason, don't have a dog. Or just mix it up. Get like a raccoon or something. Yeah. Or cats. You let the kittens live. No, not the cats. The cats are fine. <laughs> yeah, the cats Get the are... cats alone. Stay in the barn. Uh so anyways so she goes up into the attic she's scared by all these things she's run out of places to go so she lays in this coffin which it looks like michael had laid this out for her because it looks like there's a like a picture or something of her right next to the coffin with candles and everything so it almost looked like he planned to kill her and put her body in there to finish his mission or whatever so she gets in there and right before he goes in to stab her she says uncle so she audibly says uncle and as we all know, I mean, sometimes people just want you to say uncle to give up. So he stops. She said uncle. He wins the game. Game over. They live happily ever after. No. He, she says uncle. She says boogeyman. And then she wants to see his face. So she, he takes off the mask. That's when you see his long hair. And uh, you see a tear go down his eye or like his cheek or whatever. And then she goes to like wipe it off. And then that's when he freaks out. Starts slashing, puts his mask back on, starts slashing, throws the coffin into, like, the window. Goes crazy, goes nuts, and then that's when we get Loomis back into play. Loomis springs the trap. He even grabs Jamie, uses her as baits, as he has already with this whole thing. But he legitimately uses her as bait as he's holding there while she's frightened. This is crazy Loomis. And then as Michael gets closer, he springs the trap. The chain falls down on Michael. He hits him with several like uh sleep darts and then michael grabs loomis but then he fights his way out of it grabs a two by four beats michael he actually breaks the stunt man's nose in one of those hits so <laughs> crazy loomis <Really>? yeah <laughs> donald pleasant's going crazy so yep so he breaks his nose and just yeah michael goes down due to the sleep darts i would assume more so than the two by four and then loomis supposedly maybe has a heart attack or something he passes out on top of michael and uh yeah so then michael has been captured he goes to jail or prison or whatever no it's a jail not a prison so he goes to jail they were nice enough to let him keep the mask on yeah people <laughs> are talking about it. that in the youtube comments yep so keeping the mask on and then uh yeah so then we get the man in black again that has been you know briefly seen throughout the entire film and he starts opening fire Jamie's outside in a police car. Officer, once again, tells her to stay in the car, which, once again, she does not do. <laughs> Just like she didn't obey Rachel, she does not obey the officer. She is her own woman, and she gets out, goes to see what's going on, sees all the dead officers, see that Michael has been broken out, everything's ablaze, like, near his jail cell, 
And that's where we leave it off as she says no, you know, in a sad, very sad tone, knowing that Michael has once again escaped. So she is not safe. And that is where we leave it off. All right. Well, we can get into characters real quick and then we can kind of cover the movie in general. So we've talked about most of the characters. I don't really have anything to add to Spitz or Mikey or Sam or really any of them because we covered those pretty well as we went. Tina, do you really have, I mean, go ahead and add anything else Nothing you have to really add. new to say about Tina. I got most of it out there already. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts on her, she can be annoying. She has some redeemable moments. I think her sacrificing herself for Jamie was obviously a nice, you know, kind of redeemable factor to her. So it kind of takes away a lot of the annoyance. But overall, she seems, like you said, a free spirit. So even though there's parts of her that come off very annoying and selfish, but at the same time, you know, she's... Like I said, I don't really know how much she knows about all this, so I can't really expect her to... It's just not her character to act like that. So she's kind of... She's got a lot of layers to it, but I don't know. I think most fans consider her just pretty annoying compared to Rachel that we got in the last film who wasn't really well, annoying. That's the thing. It felt like such an unnecessary problem to even have to begin with because if they had just not killed Rachel, problem solved. Like, I, I, I don't know why. Yeah. I, but I mean, I didn't dislike Tina when she was good. Like, when the, when the writing was there, she was fine. But when it wasn't, she was excruciating. Sure. I agree. And I do agree. Yeah, they could have just had Rachel. I, I'm still not sure why they didn't. Like I said, I'm sure it's been addressed, but I don't recall what the reasoning was. I just wish they would have kept her for at least till the end of the film, have her sacrifice herself for Jamie at the end, and that you don't even need Tina. Tina could have been another character altogether, served a different role, and been perfectly fine. So I agree there. And, uh, I mean, you could add all the same stuff, too. You could have had her dating Mikey and just have Rachel be friends with those people. And all the friends get killed off, and Rachel's there at the end to save Jamie. So next we can tackle Loomis. Thoughts on Loomis? Obviously, Crazy Loomis is back in full force. I, I miss Return of Michael Myers Loomis. That That's my favorite Loomis. I like the calm, collected you know, sensitive Loomis, this kind of like, it's the return of six times Loomis and just, uh, yeah, I don't also like he is, he gets really creepy around Jamie. Yeah. Like, it, especially in the beginning when he's like in the hospital room, he like starts grabbing her is like, you, you need to help me. I'm like, oh God, this is so awkward. Um, yeah, he even uses Tina's death to... He's like, are you going to help me now? Like, he gets <laughs> very, so he gets very, yeah, he gets very cold towards Jamie. Like, <laughs> like what you've done, you could have prevented this basically is what he's saying. So. Yeah. So, um, I mean, no, he didn't it, care about Ben Tramer. Favorite. So the seeds are already planted. <laughs> he's raised his gun at at least two officers and several kids throughout the series. So, I mean, this is nothing new. <laughs> this is just a, this is just I was an extreme version. Belief, but this is classic Loomis, <laughs> yeah. for better or worse. <laughs> this is Loomis when he's had a few, and he's. Just... <laughs> it's funny because uh, the actress of Jamie Danielle Harris, she said when she was younger, she didn't really know what the smell on like Donald Pleasance's breath was, but then when she got older, she realized it was bourbon. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
probably had a few each time he was doing his acting gigs. So that's funny. That I did. That, well, I don't know much about Donald Pleasance, but he does do a lot of. Um... I mean, he's an old British actor. It makes sense. <laughs> he's like a classic British actor from like olden days. It it makes sense. I could totally <laughs> see that. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, maybe I, I guess there's some credence to that. Um, I, it's it's not uncommon for a lot of like very highly regarded British actors it's to like kind a, of fall during the '70s and '80s and do a lot. Of, like Christopher Lee's done a lot of shit. A it's lot like of Gary films. Oldman, man. Like in yeah. Friends, Gary Oldman when Joey's acting and he gets an acting gig with Gary Oldman, and Gary Oldman's like spitting all over Joey, and he's like. As he enunciate things, he like spits in his face a bunch. So Joey starts doing it back, and he's just like very exaggerated with it. But yeah, yeah. it's just I could see him throwing a few yeah. back, like <laughs> just to get into character, you know. I, part of me always hopes that you know Donald Pleasance was happy to be there, but I, the bourbon. I think I don't he, know. No, I think he was. I think. I mean, I don't know why he'd keep coming back for all the films if he wasn't. I can't. Well, maybe sure, just yeah. money, but I mean, I think he. Well, that—that's the worst case scenario. That's. Yeah, I don't believe that though. I'm pretty sure he cared a lot about that character. I could definitely see Donald Pleasance as the type that would say, "No, Loomis wouldn't do this." I'm pretty sure he's the one that would take that sort of ownership of the role, much like Kane Hodder with Jason, where they get very vocal about you know what the character would do. I could see that. I would, I would agree with that. But everyone At least said, that's what yeah. I, hope I mean, case. everyone had nothing but nice things to say about him on set and whatnot, from what I've seen. So, very that's great. professional. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> he's the type that, yeah, they would say he'd like nail it first try a lot of scenes because he's just that good. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's the rock of the series for sure. He was the foundation. He kind of kept everything together. He brings that level of acting chops to the the character and the series as a whole. But uh, yeah, so moving on from Loomis, then we have Jamie once again. Thoughts on Jamie? Um, I mean, oh, um, I guess the the end was pretty well done. The whole stuff with the ventilation shaft and yeah, like the laundry chute, like it was a very it was a much more physical role this time. Right. So props to her performance, but other than the the, the muted stuff was weird. I think making her a mute was kind of a strange choice. I. Don't, I I get that it was supposed to be like psychosomatic, but I just I don't know. Right. I, I, although again, she performs as a mute. But other than that, no, I don't really have a lot to say about her. Um, anything that was good in the previous movie was pretty much the same in the, this movie. Yeah, she was consistent. Know? She was good here. Good acting. Very physical, like you said, on on the stunts she had to do, and things they were demanding of her. So yeah, and I I do agree that. When she starts talking, that's when it really picks up for her character, when she can use her, you know, just, just more... She gets just more screen time there towards the end, for sure, in the whole final chase scene with the car, with, uh, yeah, that whole thing. So I really dug all of those scenes. Um, yeah, not much else to say about her, like I said. good. I like her performance at the very end. I thought her reaction to the cell at the very end of the movie was good. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, we got Michael Myers. What do you got? I, I was just super confused by Michael Myers in this movie. So it's like, I was really disappointed. I don't, I don't know what I expected, but when he killed the guy who like nursed him back to health, I was yeah. super disappointed. I'm like, man, I would have liked to have explored that. That would have been 
so refreshing. Um, and the whole thing with Loomis trying to be like, let go of the rage, Anakin, like that was kind of strange, but I'm like, okay, well, this is different. Let's see where this goes. And that that doesn't really go anywhere. As a matter of fact, like Loomis just kind of messes him up more than he's ever messed him up in the movies. Um, I mean, there's a case whole... to be made for that. Like is Loomis, yeah. I mean, there's always been that theory that Loomis has done more damage to Michael throughout all of the therapy he did for all those years than he has helped. Like, is he... Is Loomis the type to paint Michael as a monster so that therefore Michael loses whatever humanity he might have had remaining when he was a kid? Because if you're if you're if Loomis gives up on him or paints him off as pure evil, then that's not going to help anything. So you never know how much that really played a factor. I know the Rob Zombie ones for sure play that up a ton, so we'll get to that interesting theory and idea that loomis was a bad guy and did, did bad things for him i don't see that here i do think i think it's just a a state a case of a passionate doctor trying to help this kid but realizing there is nothing to help and trying to lock away that evil like he says uh, but yeah i don't know michael this movie makes the case that there is something there though and um we'll go on yes well i'm just saying the the idea that he killed the caretaker not really surprising. I mean, the dude, he was going to choke him out anyways to kill him before he even helped him. So it's one of those, like, it's that old tale of you carry the snake or you 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 nurse the snake back to health, but you know it's a snake at the end of the day. Or you carry the snake across the river, and at the end of the day, the snake kills the thing that helped it. Like, that's what Michael Myers is. I think that's kind of what they're going for here is the dude shouldn't have helped him, but he didn't know any better. He didn't know what was going on, but... He's just trying well, to be did, a good Samaritan. When he killed the caretaker, did that happen exactly one year later? Like, did he just I live think with him so. for a year? I think so. Because if we're led to believe Halloween 4, if there's a year between that and this one, which there is, because it takes place once again on Halloween time. So it had to have been a year, because otherwise Michael would have started before. If that's the case, then I, I'm really sad they didn't explore that relationship. Because clearly something happened in those 300-something days. I, I, surely there was some sort of correspondence between those two characters. They had some sort of identifiable identifiable relationship. And Maybe there's what, abuse guessing, and Michael Myers is the real victim there. Maybe that man took advantage of him. <laughs> <laughs> Paid him a minimum wage for hard labor tasks. Self-defense. Self but maybe they be, they did become good friends, but because of what we're going to find out in part six, what we're going to find about the man in black, he snapped one year later. But maybe he was normal during that time. We'll never know because this movie showed us a whole lot of other stuff that we've already seen before from part four and part two and part one. That's the stuff I would have such, I would have rather, even the, the uncle slash boogeyman thing with Jamie at the very end, like I thought, if in that scene, I'm like, okay, well, what's going on here? I, I would have liked to have explored that more. And Yeah, my interpretation of that was when the, you see the tear go down his cheek, I just think allergies, man. And they were in a dusty, <laughs> they were in a dusty, you know, just dirty attic. Allergies. Yeah, it's fall, you know. It's just yeah, that, that's, that's, I mean, that's, yeah. No, no, for real, though, like, I think what was going on there is. I don't know if they necessarily knew where they were going with Halloween 6, but we both have an idea of where that goes with the cult aspect. Um, maybe there was, I mean, they're already planting the seeds with Thorn and the man on black and the man in black. So 
my thought process, knowing that knowledge, which obviously at this time they may not have, but clearly they were setting up for something. Um, my thought is there is some sort of essence in Michael or feeling in Michael that he doesn't enjoy what he's doing, killing his family off, but he has to for whatever reason. So that's kind of what I was getting from the tear. I don't know if that's what they're implying, but that's my interpretation of why he would shed a tear like that. I mean, I why mean, else make a casket for her, you know, like, or not make it, but you know, why, why have something like that set out for her? It's not really necessary. I, I would have liked to see more to have seen more of that. I, I mean, that's easily the mortal sin of this whole franchise is they don't know how to move forward. They keep doing the same thing over and over again. And they don't want to explore beyond the, the surface because they don't want to ruin that mystery. But that mystery really held back four and five, in my opinion. Those were really the movies where they needed to grow. And they put the whole burden of that on part six. And we'll see how that goes pretty soon. But um, yeah, just really disappointing. I would have liked to have seen some of that stuff. But overall, Michael was good, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, I, I like, like I said, I like the way he moved. I like the way he looked. I like the, just the way the shots were done, him in the background, the breathing. They brought so many elements of the character, the teasing, the pranky kind of stuff, the way he goes about his kills, the way he messes with people and toys with them. All the, all the traits that I attribute to Michael Myers were here, like again, which was nice. It was it was nice to have those back after feeling absent in part four and obviously not getting them in part three. So it was nice to have those back. That's honestly the highlight of the film for me. Uh, but yeah, let's lead into overall thoughts on the film. You can go ahead and start first. Um, this movie was it was way too much of the same, which made it very difficult to watch. It's not as bad as part two. Just because part two, as a viewing experience, was so disjointed. It keeps changing scenes, and you don't really like the characters, but you have to get to know this character you don't like, not, or at least don't care about. Then the scene changes, you have to get to know this character you don't really care about. Then you have to change scenes and get to know these characters you don't really it's like the, It's like the nurse edition of part one. I just It really was hard to watch. and This one was hard to watch for different reasons. I just feel like there was too much usage of the atmosphere and the style and the setting from one, two, and four. And I was just really fatigued. I was just, I was tired of the Halloween night murders and the teenagers were also grating. That was actually kind of a new addition. I don't feel like the teenagers acted like that in previous movies. At least they didn't want, but it felt much more natural. This movie feels like an 80s horror movie. Like they were really yeah. trying hard to make it feel like an 80s slasher. And, um, a lot of that stuff was insufferable, especially with the teenagers. Very hard to watch. Um, there are parts that work, but the parts that work, I'm just the parts that are functional. I'm just I'm so jaded and desensitized. I, I this movie was just exhausting. I can't take any more Halloween night Haddonfield without some sort of mix in the formula. And there's hints of it. I like the Man in Black stuff a lot. But honestly, he's only in the movie like three times. There's like three scenes with him, I think. I'm pretty Max. sure those were shot after the fact. Those were... Really? Yeah, those were additional scenes shot to set up for the next movie and to... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't remember what their plan was, how much they were planning ahead, but they wanted something to lead into another movie. So that was kind of their... I don't think that was 
in the script those man in black scenes were there i'm pretty sure those were shot after the fact i mean good for them it looks like they they kind of knew that it, it, they've been using the same formula a little too long and i think I, I think the franchise was just out of juice at this point and there's there's really interesting things in this movie i would have rather have seen um but they I mean, John Carpenter's even guilty of this. He doesn't want to explain or show too much because he doesn't want to spoil the mystery, but I'm so fucking sick of the mystery by this point. So, really disappointing. I don't really have a letter grade for it. I don't really want to give it an F. But I guess it's an F. I mean, it's not like two. I think two just definitely deserved the F. I don't, I don't feel like this movie deserves it, but... I can't give it a D based on the viewing experience. I, I don't go think F it's plus. fair. F, F plus, done. I give it an F plus. That's slightly <laughs> higher than F. <laughs> That's yeah. how that works. <laughs> All right, well, for me, <clears throat> honestly, I enjoyed this uh, more so than I thought it was going to. I've There's always been a soft spot in, in my memory for 4 and 5. 5 a little less so than 4, for obvious reasons. Uh, annoying characters. Tina's not as enjoyable as Rachel as a, a main character the sheriff is a lot less active here which i liked him better in four the uh loomis is much better in four really the only thing i like more in this one than i liked in four or like better i guess is just the way michael's handled from top to bottom i like and i mean that's it's it's tough because at the end of the day are you watching these movies for michael myers or are you watching them for the other characters for me it's generally for michael myers and i mean the other characters play a part it all everything comes together as a whole obviously you want all of it to come together the weaker aspects of this you know the score like i said the tone the goofiness the weirdness the annoying characters tina as an us you know a, a supporting character jamie being you know silent for most of the film all of those things are weaker but at the same time, I still have fun watching it. I think all of the... I, I'm the opposite of you in the sense of you were fatigued by a lot of these things. To me, it was nice having the Michael back that I like. Having him do, like, shot in the way. Having him linger in the background without you, like, a big sign pointing over his head, here's Michael. Like, now it's like we're getting those elements back that were in part one. I like the callbacks to part one. And yeah, just overall, I, I just find it to have a lot of good scenes specifically. It's not like a great movie as a whole, but it just so many scenes I put in my notes. This was awesome. This was great. This was awesome. Like, it's just all the different scenes that stuck out to me that I really enjoyed. And I loved the ending. I loved the car chase at the end. I loved the like the horn honking and then the whole ending scene in the house. Like, I just think it's it's a strong ending um, the man in black stuff. Once again, I'm not like, I, I think we look for obviously different things in Michael Myers. To me, I don't want that huge culty. And I don't want that. I don't want that big, uh, reveal of, Oh, is a cult behind Michael Myers or it was this behind my, or is bad parenting. It was bad upbringing. You know, like, I don't want any of that. I want the mystery of why is he the way he is. The thing that I get tired of with Michael Myers is him chasing his family members. To me, that's a, <clears throat> that to me is the convoluted, you know, gets a little bit redundant when, oh, now we're chasing his granddaughter or his niece or 
this or that like that to me is where it gets to be a bit much especially as we're gonna go on with six where it gets even more convoluted with the the storyline of why he does what he does and we'll get to that then obviously i've never even seen the movie from start to finish so maybe i'll have a different perspective on it but i think you're more into the explanation of the big supernatural stuff going on to me i just want the boogeyman i just want the guy that shows up terrorizes these people for seemingly no reason and just for whatever reason just won't stay down he keeps coming back like i said the things that i get tired of are the chasing of the 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 stuff that just gets overdone um but yeah no i like a lot of the scenes that michael's in which i did not like in four so that to me is the strength of this one where it picks up where part four failed for me part four is obviously the superior movie i enjoy part four more so overall I give this one a C minus. So that's where I'm at with it. Okay. Well, I mean, for me, because I mean, I don't want to say too much because I, I do know the explanation behind Michael Myers, but, and whether it's good or bad, I don't necessarily know if they had to go as far as they did in part six, but the problem for me is it's very clearly established. He's immortal. And I feel like no one but Loomis really talks a response to that. It's not like Jason. Like, Jason, I think they actually do a good job of, like, establishing the fact that he is a zombie or he he is sort of like a... He's like an urban legend almost. A, at a that crazy point. strong mongoloid. Yeah, yeah. just... Um, the, and and it, when he is dead, he's super dead, and they don't shy from it, you know? Uh, you don't know why he, he came back from the dead. You don't know why he's so strong. You don't know why he's immortal. But you know he is. The characters all have a response to it. I feel like no one responds to the supernatural aspects. And I feel like that is a failing with the director because the director doesn't want to draw attention to that. But it's it's so blatantly there. And it's just like, God, how many times did they shoot him in four? Okay, they nurse him back to health. But after what? After like being shot like 18 times in the chest? Like, I, think, I, I think there's a reason exhausting. for that. Because yeah. they, I feel like the creators, what, what originally made Michael Myers scary? is it happened in a normal neighborhood and he looked like just your average joe with a mask on this could have been anybody at any time it could have happened to anybody the reason why they for some reason don't want to go down the supernatural path at least so far of why he keeps living somehow does not die is because then you take away the this is just a normal guy and now you've i mean you already have with the whole him getting up from several gunshots and lit on fire. Yeah, exactly. and it's I gone mean, regardless. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's gone. Over. No, I know. You've already taken the bloom off the rose there, but I think they still want to latch on to the idea that this is a... They're still trying to latch on to the idea of the original Michael Myers because every movie in its way is trying to recapture the magic of the original film, and they're not able to do so, and they're hurting themselves attempting to do so i mean that's what obviously we both admitted hurt part two the most it's because they were legitimately trying to recapture that just at a not nearly as good of effect um but yeah i don't know i just there's a compromise like if they want the best of both worlds don't reveal the mystery don't show a cult just have the characters treat michael like what he is and stop treating him like he's an escaped mental patient Stop treating him like that. He's something else. He's very clearly something else. So have the characters engage that mystery. Maybe you don't want to explain it. Fine, don't explain it. But have the characters respond to him as this 
unstoppable great white shark of a creature who is just not damaged by bullets or fire or explosions or cars you got let, let them engage that mystery even if you don't want to re, you know reveal the great you know explanation behind all of it or the not so great explanation behind all of it either or i just i feel like when he goes through all this crazy supernatural shit and the characters are still treating him like this weird family member who is institutionalized it just falls apart for me i can't suspend belief anymore all right like i don't know thoughts <laughs> or i guess, no, well, I guess no. we kind of covered it yeah all. i mean we covered it i gave my thoughts uh what i like about the character what i look forward in the movies you gave your thoughts i think we definitely have differing what we hope to see from the films and i think it'll probably come more to a head than anything in the next one so we could obviously dive deeper in to that whole idea of the character once we get to that film and we've digested that and kind of see what we think i mean and and it's not the only film that covers that obviously the zombie films and stuff definitely have their own why he like explaining the character so we'll get into all of that as we go and uh yeah so final grade you gave a f plus i gave a c minus and uh yeah thanks for everybody for tuning in make sure you like the video subscribe if you haven't already and make sure you comment below what you guys think of this film what you liked about it what you dislike about it and we will see you guys next time for halloween 6 the curse of michael myers yeah take care guys charlie charlie michael myers is outside. Stay with the little girl. Please.